You are listening to the Mini Minxes. Adventurers, it is time. Greetings from Disney's Animal Kingdom. From the day we arrive on the planet and drinking step into the sun, there's more to see than can ever be seen, more to do than can ever be done. It's the circle of life. Hello and welcome to Show 33, which is our Animal Kingdom birthday special. Disney's Animal Kingdom Park is a larger-than-life theme park with adventure at every turn. From the inspiring Tree of Life to the amazing dinosaur, Disney Imagineers created fascinating attractions that mesmerize the whole family. Travel to Africa and glimpse animals up close on the wildlife safari. Thrill-seekers will roar over the Yeti-guarded Expedition Everest. And thundering Cali River Rapids. And children are always enchanted by the latest entertainment. Your entire clan will delight in all the spirited, animal-inspired shows. Flock to Disney's Animal Kingdom for all species of fun. Me and Michelle would like to welcome Mike to the show, otherwise known as Safari Mike on Twitter, who's come to share all his Animal Kingdom knowledge with us today on this birthday bonanza. Jumbo, Kim. Jumbo, Michelle, how are you? Great, thank you. Oh, even a fancy greeting. I like it. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much for having me on. It's it's an honour and a privilege. It's nice to put a voice to the person I've been tweeting for the for the past few months. I know we tweet all the time, <laughs> but it's it's it is a, a lot of fun to uh, talk Animal Kingdom, and thank you for having me on. Well, no, thank you for coming up with the idea of having an Animal Kingdom special. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, uh, since the the website's dedicated to the Animal Kingdom, I'm always looking to talk Animal Kingdom. So here we are. So how can people find you then? You've mentioned your website, we've mentioned Twitter. How can people track you down? Sure, sure. The website is uh, www.jomboeveryone.com and it's a website dedicated uh, exclusively to the Animal Kingdom as well as the Animal Kingdom Lodge. Um, you can find me on Twitter um, with the uh, at Jumbo Everyone, and we have a Facebook page um, and we even actually now have a Zazzle store too where you can buy Jumbo Everyone uh, merchandise which is kind of cool um but that's where you can find me oh cool we could go and buy one of your t-shirts and plod around the park where proudly <laughs> yes. and and uh, money that uh, if you do purchase t-shirts and ipad things and stuff like that money goes to conservation so oh, wow. it's a you know we're very proud of it well, that's a really really good cause is that definitely do that listeners because anything towards a conversation fund is fantastic yeah, we actually have a few partners that um, who are conservation groups that are in the field what, doing various things for cheetahs and rhinos and stuff. So we try to raise money for them um, to help them out. And one of the ways is through um, 
our Zazzle store. Another way is we actually have a partner, um, Destinations in Florida, who if you book through our website, part of the proceeds of you going to Disney World will uh, go to conservation too. Oh, very philanthropic of you. <laughs> we try. <laughs> I'm laughing, but I ain't the foggiest idea what she's just said. <laughs> <laughs> she likes to use big words to throw me. Oh, bless you, Kim. So what brought you to your love of Disney for our listeners? Give us a quick background on you. What? What? Why Why Disney? Oh, well, um, I was lucky enough that my parents, um, you know, used to take me to Disney all the time as a kid. I was there the year it opened, in Disney World, I should say. Um, although, obviously, I don't remember because I was just a little toddler. But, you know, as a, as a kid, we, we went every couple of years. Um and so I, I was, I've been in love with Disney since I was little, and I've been going ever since. I'm a DVC member, um, and I go to Disney World as much as I possibly can. And I'm raising my two children to be Disney fanatics too. So hopefully they'll take over the mantle. <laughs> and what is it that draws you to the Animal Kingdom so much? Well, the Animal Kingdom um, is a my personal favorite park. Obviously, um, I have always been conservation oriented I, I was a very um, I was very uh, into animals and things like that as a when I was about 20 I became a docent at the at the Bronx Zoo in other words I gave uh, tours um, you know I talked to the public I taught them about conservation and things like that and I did that for 18 years so I was very into you know conservation nature that kind of thing so when Disney decided to build the animal kingdom in the mid 1990s um, I was very excited um, and I actually went on my honeymoon in 1998, the year it opened, Disney's Animal Kingdom. So, um, you know, that's sort of my background in terms of Disney's Animal Kingdom. Which makes you the perfect guest to be on this show. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> so, Michelle, seeing as it's an Animal Kingdom special, what are we planning to talk about this show? Well, as you say, we are going to be discussing all things wild in this episode. In the first segment, Mike is going to tell us all about the different safaris he's been on and he's going to give his top tips on getting the best from these once-in-a-lifetime experiences. Then, listeners, we are going to move on to, which is what I know is your favourite topic on our show, which is food, where we're all going to discuss and share stories of the eateries around the animal kingdom. Finally, we're going to have a mini-debate about Avatar Land. Now, dear listeners, you will all be aware already of mine and Kimmy's views about Avatar Land. But with Mike joining us and using the latest news of the project, let's just see where this chat takes us. Right then, well, let's get on with the show. Jambo, and welcome to another Kieran Fact for you. Back in the 5th of June, 1995, the Animal Kingdom project was announced. Building work commenced two months later, and in just three short years, the grand opening was held on April the 22nd, 1998. The park covers over 500 acres and is home to approximately 1,000 animals of 250 different species at a mere $1 billion. It was a costly experience, and as the budget spiralled, the beastly kingdom was shelved. That's it for now. See you later. So that was our Karen sharing some basic information on when the Animal King project was denounced. 
So, as I said in the beginning of the show, we have got with us lovely Mike Safari, as I like to give him his nickname, <laughs> as he is an expert on all things Animal Kingdom. And one of the things that I was keen to get him on the show to discuss was his experiences of the safaris that you can purchase and do at Animal Kingdom. Um, so, really, Mike, I want to take all that knowledge out of your brain and let our listeners have a listen. So, so you to... One of the um, experiences that you can add on to your trip to the Disney's Animal Kingdom is the Wild Africa Trek, which I did not that long ago for the first time. Um, it is a walking and driving trek through the Kilimanjaro Safari section of the park. Um, what you do is you show up at Harambe in Africa, and there's a section there where you get sort of training as to um, how to proceed through the walking section of the um, animal kingdom, you know, the Kilimanjaro safaris. It, you get strapped into this vest, you get this very cool uh, water bottle that's uh, for yours to keep, and you get to walk through um, portions of Kilimanjaro safaris, and it's the beginning portion. And um, as, as I'm sure you guys have seen on your most recent trips to Kilimanjaro safaris, the bridges that go over... Um, the alligators and the hippos and things like that. And that's where you get to walk. Um, it's actually an, an amazing experience. I hope neither one of you are afraid of heights. <laughs> Me. Are you? Um, I, I'm not that big of a heights fan myself. I know my wife is not a big heights fan, and she was a little concerned about doing this part of the uh, trek. Yeah. But it's actually not that bad. But you do. you are about 30 to 40 feet above the alligators as you're walking over them. And it can be a little, a little frightening. The, the bridge itself has is not like uh, solid. It's these little planks that you have to step on. But um, so it can be a little treacherous <laughs> for people who are worried about heights. But it is amazing to walk over the alligators um, or the crocodiles, I should say. I was going to say, I'm sure every time we go over that drawbridge, my driver tells me it's not a safe bridge and we're to hold on and make sure that we get across in one piece. <laughs> <laughs> it's exactly right. And this one's even more rickety than the one you drive over. Uh. Um, the, the, the fun part, though, about this portion of the, of the trek is you actually get very close to the hippos as well as the crocodiles. Uh, they let you, they actually strap you into this metal bar so that you can't fall into the hippo pool, which you probably wouldn't want to do if you, you could, could avoid it. Um, and you get to sit there and, and a, a, um, a guide comes along and talks to you about the hippos. And as she's doing that, or he, they're throwing food into the hippo, and the, he comes right up close to you, and you get to watch him eat, and they give you a nice um, little talk about, you know, hippos and, and you know, how they live and all that kind of stuff. And the same sort of thing happens with the crocodiles, although they don't feed them. But you get awfully close to them, um, clo much closer than you do when you're actually on the ride itself. It's, a, it's pretty thrilling. You mean, well, they might feed them, Michael. If there's any troublesome tourists, they might just decide to push them off the bridge. <laughs> <laughs> that's right um, but you will need some scissors because uh, that you are strapped into that bridge uh, as you're walking over you, you're very safe it's just uh, a little frightening for, especially for people who are a little afraid of crocodiles and who isn't exactly <laughs> the next part of the trip is um, the driving part and here um, you get into sort of a flatbed truck with your small group and there's usually about 12 of you or so, or 12, I think it was 12 to 15, I forget exactly how many people were in it, and you drive along the safari from um, basically where you 
come in is the big open safari where the giraffe are in, in that section of the uh, of the of the ride and you drive through the safari here and you, you actually get to stop and pull over at a couple of spots which you don't get to do obviously on the main safari trip itself um, there are three different sections where we stopped one was over um, at the first section of the of the uh, safari then there was a one over by the elephants and then um, and there's another one also farther along and you know they sit there that you always have these same two guides with you talking to you about the park and you get to learn about a lot of neat and interesting things that you just don't get to know about um, while you're doing the safari ride some of the things that you know our guide told us were um, for example when you're driving towards the elephants there's this bridge that you drive under this is sort of metallic bridge um, and they told us that that was one of the few elephant bridges built in the whole wide world. It's a bridge specifically built to allow the elephants to go off stage back onto where um, their exhibit is. Another interesting thing that we learned about was the ostrich Sally. Um, there are three ostriches on the Kilimanjaro safaris, and two of them are kind of this brown, and another one is black. And if you uh, black feathers, and if you ever see ostriches in the wild. Black feathered ostriches are males, and you know tan, like brownish ones are females. Well, it turns out that if you only have females in your exhibit, one of them will eventually turn uh, their feathers black to look like a male to ward off predators, and that's Sally on the Kilimanjaro safaris. I found that to be very interesting. But you get to learn a lot of stuff like that while you're driving along. Wow, God, I didn't even contemplate that things like that happened in nature to protect themselves so I suppose trips like this it, for the animal lover because I am a really big animal lover it would be really interesting to hear and learn such fascinating facts as that one and you and you also I know we're going to talk about food in a little while but you also get some good food on the trip too so that's, <laughs> that's a bonus they have this, <laughs> they have this little um, what they call a boma on the safari you've probably seen it as you're driving along it's over by where the flamingos are and you get to sit up there and you get to eat and the view is amazing. On your right-hand side, you get to watch the elephants and the, and the flamingos. And sort of on the left-hand side is that um, big safari with the wildebeest and the giraffe. And you get to sit there for like a half an hour or so and enjoying um, some sort of light food. It's actually pretty good. They give you like pita and fruit. And I know there's a yogurt with granola. And they had these amazing little fig cakes that almost tasted like kind of like fig newtons but but even better it was really good there you go michelle food that'll have you interested won't it i'm sorry i'm just mopping up the drool love <laughs> mopping up the drool <laughs> yeah it was it was quite good it was quite good it's it's an amazing experience it's a little it's a little on the pricey section uh, you know it's about a, about 200 bucks per person so it's not right. cheap yeah but for three hours, it's it's an amazing experience, and if and if you could do it, I would recommend doing it. It's a lot of fun. When you did it, did they still have the photographer taking the pictures to produce a CD for you at the end? Oh yes, they they give you um everybody in the party gets a free CD. They do have a photographer. Actually, your two guides that are with you are doing the photography, so they they take pictures of you, um, everybody in your party. So you when you get the CD, it'll include you know the people your strangers that you did the, the ride with as well. But there's plenty of cool animal photos, and they actually give you some with, um, some stock photos, like the best photos they've ever taken on the oh, uh, wow. trip. So I know ours includes like one of the female lion jumping in the air, um, you know, things like that that they happen to catch along the way. 
as well as photos of the animals as as that you're on, so that you get this. There's plenty of hippo, plenty of croc, plenty of uh, giraffe, and all that kind of stuff. It's it's a great um, memento of your trip. Well, that sounds. It's beginning to sound a little bit a little bit better value for money because, as you said, it's about. I, I gather it goes up with seasons, but it's between 190 and 250 dollars. But for that, you're getting fed. You're getting a, a keepsake water bottle and mm-hmm. a CD of photos of you enjoying the um, safari and also stock photos of animals that you as a Joe public would never be able to get. Right. As well as a meal. I mean, you do get a pretty good meal, too, as you're going along. So, that's that. you know, you have to consider that, too. Um, plus, I know there are periods of time where you can find discounts for it. It's relatively rare because it's such a popular... A tour, so it doesn't. They don't offer the discounts as much as they uh, some of the other tours. But I know um, we did ours at about eight thirty in the morning, and they do them, you know, during the course of the day up until about one o'clock or so. They sometimes will run uh, discounts about fifty dollars off per person for any tour at about eleven o'clock or eleven thirty thereafter. Like the later tours, you may be able to find a fairly decent discount. Okay, making a note for that <laughs> discount because when I when I go in August, the second week, the last week in August, typically is quite a a quieter time because the park is sort of going into that quiet period through September, and I saw, I've seen it before where they do special promotions to try and get people to do the tours, or it includes dining or something. So that's well worth looking for discount codes. You're absolutely right. When I was when I was there in late August this past year, I know they were offering a discount for the Wild Africa trek. Um, absolutely right. Fantastic. Um, one thing that did worry me originally is the weight limit because I gather there's an upper weight limit because obviously you're going over bridges and things like that. But after checking on the website, I gather it's 25 stone, which is about 350 pounds. So I'm well under that, so I can. that's not going to be a problem. Yeah, when, they, when you first start the tour, they do um, you know, weigh you, they do strap you into your vest, which can be a little um, uncomfortable, well, not uncomfortable, but a little awkward at first um, to sort of get used to it. And um, they told us, if you want to wear cargo shorts for the men, that's fine. But just be aware, it's going to look like you're wearing a diaper. And it does. So, <laughs> just so you know, the way they have you strapped in, it does look like you're wearing a diaper. <laughs> so I guess it's the day of the week you don't really want to be wearing a dress if you're a lady. No, don't wear a dress. Don't wear uh, <laughs> flip-flops or anything like that. Wear a little bit sterner shoe, sneakers or, or something like that. Absolutely. Because you need your, I'm sorry. You need, to ha- you need to have your closed toe shoes, don't you? Yes, you do, and you do actually walk through the woods. Um, it's not there's not really a path when you're in that beginning portion. You're you know pushing trees out of the way. You're there's roots on the ground. I mean, you're walking through the woods. So, <gasps> so if you have difficulty, you know, doing that kind of thing, if you know maybe some older guests or whatever, um, you got to be careful. I mean, it's it's not a paved path by any means. Kim, I've got it in my head now. I'm going to be a la Indiana Jones with a machete in one hand, a big hat in, on my head, cutting down the overgrowth to go and rescue someone. Hey, it's going to be great. I'll tell you what, if you can get a machete past security, <laughs> go for it. <laughs> it, does, it doesn't have to be a real machete. It could be a tiny one. 
<laughs> or a funny shaped chocolate banana going back to a joke that was in a previous episode. <laughs> I think it might melt in August, love, though. True. But it's the same shape and the same size. True. Um, I gather also very young children aren't allowed on this one. Is it nine plus you've got to be? I believe it's eight because my eight daughter was able right. to go and she's eight. So I'm, I'm pretty sure it's eight years old. Fantastic. Although if you're seven and a half and you look eight, I'm sure you can pretend to be eight. Uh, I can tell you they didn't they didn't card my daughter when she was trying. To <laughs> I think you're probably right. <laughs> but yay, no babies in strollers. So no. that's good. <laughs> that's absolutely true. So, Mike, if you were stood in front of a room full of people and you had to convince them to do this particular safari, why would you tell them to choose this particular one? Just because it's such a unique experience, I mean, where else are you going to be able to walk over a bridge over a pool of crocodiles? And not pretend crocodiles or crocodile statues, but real ones. Where else are you going to be able to pull over on the side of a road and watch an elephant for 15 minutes? Um, you know, where else are you going to be able to sit at a, in a nice little uh, patio eating fig cakes and watching, um, you know, giraffe oryx or anything like that it's such a unique experience i can't think of any other place in the any other place anywhere that will offer you three hours of that kind of experience and if you have even if you're not even a big animal fan just the thrill of walking over that bridge of the crocodiles and the hippos um the thrill of riding on the safari tram and 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 seeing you know the various animals and stuff being able to talk one-on-one essentially with the guides I mean, when you do the Kilimanjaro Safari, which is one of my favorite attractions in all of Disney World, it's a unique experience. Um, the driver is talking to you and telling you different things. But in this one, you actually get to sit there and have a conversation with the, with the guides. And they can tell you such interesting things about the attraction, about the animals. Um, that's why I would do it. Sounds good. You'd be good at convincing that room full of people. <laughs> Thanks. Well, I am an attorney in my other life, so oh, well, then. <laughs> I guess that's a good thing. Well, you're definitely making me want to uh, have a go. As I say, I have a bit of a fear of the old heights, but I know a fair few people who've done this tour, and they have done nothing but sing its praises about how amazing it is and how I've got to do it. Right. I mean, we know people, I mean, well, for example, my wife is not thrilled with heights either. She did it, and she would do it again. That definitely says something. So, how does while we're sort of on the whole sort of topic of the safaris and animal kingdom experiences, um, I gather the other safari you can do, although not actually in Animal Kingdom itself, it's only available to Animal Kingdom lodge guests, is the Wanayama Safari. Oh, the one at um, um, at Jumbo House. Yeah. Yeah, that looks that one looks good. I have not done that one yet. I've got to do it though. I mean, you, that's the one where you get to have a Jiko meal. Yeah. Uh, and then go on sort of an evening safari. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever had a chance to go to the Animal Kingdom Lodge at night, but they have night vision goggles there. Have you ever done that? 
I haven't, but it's something that I know that I tweeted to you this week. I've, I've actually cancelled my Burma reservation, and my plan originally was to go to Burma and to do exactly what you've just said do the night goggle thing. And I've just said to my husband, he doesn't fancy the food. However, I still desperately want to try that experience. So we said we'd go over to Mara and have something at the counter service and right. then do that. But I would love to stay at Animal Kingdom Lodge and do this safari because it it sounds brilliant. Yeah, I mean, it's it, the first of all, Jico. I don't know if you've ever had food at Jico. Jico is personally my favorite restaurant on Disney World property. I love it. Um, to have that and then to go on a night safari at their at their lodge would just be an amazing experience. And that's next on my list. I promise you. Wow. Oh, well, I'll just do the poor man's version and just get the uh, night goggles glasses. And That's a lot of fun. If you ever get to eat, if you go to Mara, have a great uh, counter service meal there, because it's actually really good. I don't know if you've ever had the Mara, but it's a, it's a, uh, one of the better counter services at a hotel. Um, and they offer a lot of, they offer some, you know, regular kind of food, like chicken nuggets and that kind of thing, as well as a little bit more fanciful African flavored stuff. And then go out and, and check out the night vision goggles. It'll be it'll be a fun evening, I guarantee. Cool. I am currently writing that down now on my pad of paper. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I wrote the word Google instead of goggles. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll know what it means. So, <laughs> apart from the two safaris that we've mentioned. There are a couple of other experiences, I believe, at Animal Kingdom, if you had the chance to experience any of them. Such as, like, the Wild by Design? Yes. Yeah, well, um, my brother actually did Wild by Design, and we have on our website a very detailed review of it. It is, see, the thing about the Animal Kingdom is that it is, in my opinion, probably the one of the most well-themed parks in Disney World. There are so many little nooks and crannies and little tidbits here and there of... Um, Imagineering that Wild by Design, and it's about the same price as um, the Wild Africa Trek, I believe, um, is, is just an amazing experience. Again, it's a several-hour tour. You get you walk around the park, and they point out all these little things. Like in Harambe, you can check out the, um, you know, you'll, you'll be told about how Harambe was, you know, in, thematically was supposed to be an old European fort. And then that was converted into a town, and you can actually see the bricks on the on the ground where the fort was. Um, you can see, you know, if you listen closely, you can hear people talking above the Tusker House. That's supposed to be the people who are staying at that hotel there. Um, all these little details, just in Harambi itself, are are incredible. Same thing with the Maharaja Jungle Trek over in Asia. The details that they put into that that uh, animal trail are just incredible. Um, I can give you another good one, for example. At, um, in Asia, as you're walking towards Expedition Everest, there is this sort of um, wheelbarrow with bricks uh, filling up the wheelbarrow. It, it's interesting to note that those are the only bricks anywhere in Disney's Animal Kingdom. Even though everything in the park looks like it's made out of brick because it's all this old stuff, it's actually not. There are no other bricks anywhere in the park except for that little wheelbarrow on the way to uh, Expedition Everest. So you get those little details um, at, at that tour that is just great, and I recommend that one as well. I do gather with all of these tours that we're talking about, there are certain discounts available as well if you have, say, DVC or a Disney Visa or if you're a pass holder or if you have AAA. So it's always worthwhile if you're fancying these 
to do these attractions. If you don't already have a Disney Visa card, get one and save some uh, pounds as well. Yeah, and I know Wild by Design, it's easier to get discounts for that one than it is for uh, the Wild Africa Trek. That one's the Wild Africa Trek is t- intensely popular. Wild by Design, mm-hmm. you you can get in, you can find discounts um, on that one fairly easily. Cool. Well, we always like to save our <laughs> pennies, don't we, Kim? We do. Our two favorite things: food and saving money. <laughs> so you can get more food. Exactly. How <laughs> I roll. I agree with you. <laughs> so we've got. I, I put Wild by Disney. It's not Wild by Disney. It's Wild by Design. It's all right. I think I'm, I'm having your issue now. I would say I'm wearing night googles, so it's all right. <laughs> Okay. So the other experience when I was sort of doing my Animal Kingdom research was the backstage safari tour. Am I right in, in saying that, Mike? Yeah, that's another good one. Um, you can actually get a, a glimpse of this from the Rafiki's um, uh, Planet Watch. When you take the train out there, you get to see the behind-the-scenes tour of the rhinos and um, the uh, elephant barn. Um, this gives you a backstage tour. They basically take you in the back of the park by Africa and give you a tour of sort of the state-of-the-art um, uh, animal barns and things like that that they that the animals use off exhibit. Yeah. As I'm sure all you all know, um, animals don't stay on there, you know, don't stay out in Kilimanjaro safaris for the whole night. They bring them in at about 5 o'clock or so, and they have these state-of-the-art buildings that are designed to promote uh, you know, well-being, healthcare, and and uh, breeding, and that kind of stuff for the animals. Um, they spent a lot of money. Disney did on designing those uh, structures. The only the only drawback I would say to the backstage safari is that, generally speaking, since it's on during the course of the day, where most of the animals are on exhibit, yeah. you don't see actually a lot of animals. Um, there, you will see some rhinos and things like that because you know there's more rhinos than they can actually put on the safari. Um, as well as elephants too but for the most part it's you don't see as many animals as you do for example on the wild africa trek but it is a fascinating tour especially if you're interest, interested in that kind of thing on, on how they um you know house animals how they take care of them oh because i must admit i wasn't even i mean maybe maybe i'm just a bit dopey which michelle will probably agree i didn't even think about what happened to the animals at night time and and now you've said that, I'm, I'm kind of picturing the school bell going off at the end of the day and all the animals running back into the building. <laughs> You're actually not far from the truth. <laughs> um, what they do for the animals, and they want to bring them inside at night so they so the vets can really get a good look at them. They really can't keep track of them while they're on exhibit. They, they want them inside um, in their housing so they can feed them and so they can um, you know make sure they're eating properly and make sure they're you know, everything's okay. The vets will and the keepers will take a look at them and make sure they're all right. It's much easier to do that when they're off exhibit. So what they do is they don't feed them, really, while they're on exhibit. Their main food is right before uh, or right after they come off exhibit. So all those animals know as soon as that barn door opens, they're going to get a nice good meal, and they they tend to go right into their exhibit. So um, you're not far from the truth. It's sort of a dinner bell as opposed to a school uh, school bell. (laughs) (laughs) So... I'm going to put you in charge of tours at Animal Kingdom for the day, Mike. Uh-oh. If you could create a safari to suit you and then sell it to guests, what would it include and why? You know what would be a lot of fun? would be um, a nighttime 
uh, nighttime safari, similar to the one at the Jumbo House, but on the Kilimanjaro Safari. If they could keep those animals out, and maybe this could only be done during the winter when it gets darker quicker, and do a night safari, similar to what they do with, um, uh, you know, with the bed trucks that they have for the Wild Africa Trek. You know, it would be an expensive experience, I understand that, but to go out onto that main safari and, like, looking for giraffe, looking for elephants, um, you know, night vision goggles would just be so adventurous, so much fun, and well worth it. You know, maybe you get a good meal, too, on the on the Boma there and, and look at stuff through night vision goggles. The night vision goggle thing is so interesting and, and so unique that I think that would be a great experience. Sounds like one I'd like to book. What about yourself, Kim? Most definitely. Where do I pitch my tent up so I can have a nap with the animals, too? <laughs> <laughs> Until they come and stampede all over your tent. Or eat me. Yeah. Mmm, <laughs> Kimmy snack for pudding. Mmm. Oh dear. Well, should we move on and listen to um, a Kieran fact? And I think our Kieran fact is all about the backstage safari himself. So over to you, Kieran. Jumbo! And welcome to another Kieran Fact for you. Let's talk about food. With over 1,000 animals, a staggering free ton of food is munched for each and every day. If you want to find out more about this side of the park, the backstage safari tour is perfect for you. At $72, it is a great chance to meet the specialists behind the scenes. At last, you have to be 16 plus. That's it for now. See you later. <laughs> what that boy doesn't know is beyond me. He's like a Disney guru. He is. He's, he's, a, he's a little mini walking Disney fact book. Can I borrow him and take him on holiday? If you pay for him. Love of course. I love <laughs> it. <laughs> One minute to <show> <laughs> right. So we are now moving on to all our fans' favourite topic which is food yay as i thought it'd be nice while we had mike here as well if we discussed all the sort of dining options um that you can get at animal kingdom sure um animal kingdom i think next to epcot is probably the best um food in disney world um there are some unique options that um i really like um there are several sit-down restaurants the first one obviously is the rainforest cafe out front which is you know same as the one at downtown disney um and it you know it's interesting inside to look at the animals and all that kind of stuff the robotic animals and all that kind of thing but the food's okay um but the better things in my opinion are inside and that's the yak and yeti sit-down restaurant which i really like it's sort of this asian kind of cuisine and the tusker house which is a character breakfast and lunch, as well as a uh, buffet dinner that is similar to Boma, uh, a little African-flavored uh, uh, cuisine there. It's a little tamer than Boma, maybe, but it's, it's pretty good. And then there are some counter services that are very unique and I think uh, maybe the best in all of Disney World. There's the Tamu Tamu in Africa. There is Flame Tree Barbecue, which is all barbecue. It's over in Discovery Island near Dino Land, which is it's great. There's Restaurantosaurus, which I think is the best themed counter-service restaurant in, in all of Disney World. It's so unique, so many, so kitschy, 
with all these little uh, tidbits <laughs> and, and things like that. It's just a fun place to sit and enjoy a meal. And the food's pretty good, too. And then there's the counter service for the uh, Yak and Yeti as well. Um, and there's also Pizza Fari. I almost forgot Pizza Fari. Uh, those are the main options. And there's a couple of actually pretty good food booths, too. Um, you know, you can get chicken wings. You can get these ice cream sandwiches that are made from homemade. <laughs> I know. They're, they're homemade cookies. There are hand-scooped ice cream. There's two different places where you can get it. And they're about the size of a baby's head. So they're, <laughs> so they're really good. And they're also, since they're so big, you can easily share them. Um, there's, a, there's um, you know, things like that. There's also jalapeno cheese stuffed pretzels, which you can find those in a couple different spots. I don't know if you girls have ever had that, but those are really, really good. I'm not a jalapeno fan. Oh no! Well, it's not that spicy, but it's really good. So, all right, you stick to the uh, <laughs> the huge ice cream sandwiches. Those oh, are... I will. <laughs> oh, I'll eat the pre- I'll eat them pretzels till they're coming out of my ears all day, Mike. I absolutely adore them. Oh yeah, they're good. My, my wife and I will eat them all day long. I agree with you. <laughs> so then, I'll start with Michelle and give Mike a bit of time to think of his favorite. What is your favorite eatery at Animal Kingdom? Okay, I'm going to go with counter service because i don't personally um have i haven't had a table service meal at either tusker house or yak and yeti i've eaten at rainforest cafe and i do think the area just outside rainforest cafe is very beautiful and there's a lot of opportunities for photographs um but i haven't had a table service meal so i can only go on what i've done so flame tree barbecue is my must do in fact i have been known to go to the park just to go to flame tree barbecue (laughs) because the barbecue is that good um opening at 11 o'clock you have a smorgasbord of meat my personal favorite has got to be the half slab of St. Louis ribs and the half smoked chicken. It is absolutely delicious. Not too taken with the baked beans and the coleslaw. I can take or leave that. But it is amazing value. I absolutely love it. The ribs and chicken combo is $12, and I don't think you can find a better place. It's beautiful there, too, the the Flame Tree Barbecue. is just such a nice place to sit around. Well, the thing is, you you never, ever really struggle with a place to sit there as well because there's so many different types of seating areas. And my favourite is actually the furthest away. If you go and walk down the steps and go right down to the bottom to the little pagoda that's by the side of the discovery river you've got amazing unique views of everest and it is absolutely beautiful down there but i've got a bit of a moan i always have a bit of a moan the food delightful the scenery delightful other guests (laughs) stupid 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 there are signs up saying 
do not feed the wildlife. <laughs> and despite it saying that, there are muppets that feed their leftover fries and bread. Not only this is not good for the animals, because one, it's t teaching them a behaviour. Two, it's not good for them dietary. And three, it's going to encourage that place, that beautiful area, to be become a big, massive bird toilet. So, um, it really, really winds me up. And if I see anyone doing that, I just point and cough at the sign a lot. But, yeah, definitely. And plus, if you're going on a dining plan, it, you're going to get nearly about $16, $17 worth of value at this place. So, it is a really good use of a dining plan counter service credit. So, Go to Flame Tree Barbecue, Michelle tells you to, but shout at those stupid guests. There's a, a unique thing about Flame Tree Barbecue, too, is you, you mentioned all the little pagodas. If you go to each one, you will notice that each one has a, a different predator-prey uh, theme. Like, you'll have a bird and a worm, and the little paintings and little designs on each one is a different predator-prey. It's a unique kind of whimsical kind of way of looking at it, too. I mean, you're there eating meat. So it's <laughs> so it's kind of very whimsical in, in its design, and it's it's really a great place to just sit around and relax and shove some ribs in your mouth. True. It's, it's not really the place to go if you're a vegetarian, because basically, what can you have? Well, you can have a fruit plate. Yeah, no, that's true. You know, so if you are if you are a vegetarian, maybe think of one of the other places, or be prepared to have a dessert. Which you're not a fan of either, Michelle, are you? No, no, no. I, I, I like the desserts. The desserts over at Flame Tree Barbecue, you've got a choice of key lime pie, which, I'm sorry, I, I just don't think it's very... The, the texture, the flavouring, it's just not right. But there is like a chocolate dessert, and the chocolate dessert is, is just about palatable. <laughs> just about. So then, Mike, what would be your favourite place to eat at Animal Kingdom? Yeah, I, this is a tough one. So I, I have to. I'm going to come up with one that's a little different than um, than you might think. Even though I love Yak and Yeti and, and stuff like that, I think the Tamu Tamu um, place in Harambe is one of my favorite counter services in all of Disney World. It's it's small. The the menu selection is very limited. Currently, they only have essentially three things. They have a pulled beef sandwich. They have with that has like a uh, cucumber sauce and it's served with pita. There's a roast chicken salad sandwich that's kind of like an African flavored chicken salad, and they have this quinoa salad, which uh, which looks delicious. I haven't had that one yet, but the the pulled beef is just fantastic. This yogurt cucumber sauce it's served with pita bread, and they make their homemade uh, potato chips. You know they bake them right there on premises, um, and I like to take those. And I like to go right across the way to the Dawa Bar, which is right on the other side of Harambe. Get myself a sugarcane mojito, sit there and, and enjoy life for like 45 minutes or so. There's nothing better than sitting there. Dawa Bar is nice and quiet too, so you can just sit there peacefully, look at the, you know, watch the river, watch. Maybe you'll get lucky and you'll have one of the bands playing. Enjoy a pulled beef pita, enjoy a sugarcane mojito. It's great. That sounds perfect to me. I must admit, Tamu Tamu as well is one of the very few places that open early on an Animal Kingdom morning because I've been there before, starving, not fancying the Kusafari 
coffee shop right. wandering around and most of the places don't open till 11am and I've ended up wanting to eat my own arm or fancying one of the birds as a quick raw treat because there isn't, you know, there isn't a lot of places but Tamu Tamu, as you say, it's open really early. Everything else tends to kick off about 11 o'clock, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, and Tamu actually serves some breakfast, and they have um, they have this flatbread there. Um, I've actually not tried that yet, but it's um, I think it's egg, ham, and cheese, I believe, on a flatbread. And they also, I know they have French toast sticks, which uh, always a, a fun little meal in the morning. Can I just, for the benefit of us Brits, when you're sort of talking about flatbread, because especially Kim and myself, we're from Yorkshire, a flatbread to us are is basically like um, a tea cake. A bread cake, or it's it's not the same. It's like a base of a pizza type thing, isn't it? Yeah, it's exactly what it is. It's like the base. It's like the dough of a pizza. It's it's similar to pita. Um, I don't know if you know what naan bread is, um, but it's similar to that kind of. It's a very, very. Um, um, yeah, it's, I think the best way to describe it is sort of like the the, the dough of a pizza. Yeah. No, and uh, we know what naan bread is where Kim and I come from. It's a very... Uh, oh, is it? It's, yeah. it's a very multicultural area um, to one side of where we live, and naan bread is pretty much a staple because it's gorgeous. I, I, I love naan bread. Uh, over here, Mike, you can get naan bread with cheese, naan bread with garlic, naan bread with minced meat in it. Oh, Peshwari naan bread, my favourite, Mike. It's naan bread and it has a paste of almond and coconut with raisins or pineapple. And it's a sweet naan bread and it is just to die for. Oh, man, I'm going out there. (laughs) Sounds great. I'll be and out you, there tomorrow. I'll be there. We'll go get some naan bread. Oh, and you dip it in a curry and it is just divine. Oh. You don't get a lot of that here in, in uh, New Jersey. We don't, uh, naan bread is, I mean, you're starting to get that kind of stuff more yeah. around here. It's becoming more popular. But, you know, a couple of years ago, you wouldn't even, you would never find naan bread where I am. Um, so I, I want to go there. I wonder what you just said. I want to have. <laughs> well, tell you what, I'll see if I can get some, and when I come over in August, I'll put it on internal, internal mail, and it might get to you before its sell-by date goes up. <laughs> Sounds good. I'm in. <laughs> well, I am ashamed to say I haven't really eaten in that many places at Animal Kingdom, and yes, Mike, I am hanging my head in shame. <laughs> um, I have eaten at Flame Tree Barbecue, um, like Michelle's previously said, so I won't go into that too much. And the only other place I have eaten, and this is at the insistence of my husband, because my husband is a hamburger junkie. He eats hamburgers wherever we go, doesn't matter where we go, even in this country, if we go out for a meal, he has a hamburger of some kind. It's actually a running joke in my family what he will order when we go out for meals. So, the place that I'm going to quickly mention is Restaurantosaurus. Because that happens to be my husband's favourite place to get burgers. Now, we haven't been for a couple of years. Um, so, when I had a quick look at the menu, I thought, oh, there's some differences on this menu to when um, we've been. And one of the biggest differences and the one thing that's actually making me look forward to going back there because I know I'll be dragged there again is the mac and cheese hot dog 
Now, is that something that you've managed to experience yet, Mike? Because that looks pretty delicious. I did. I did. Um, it is pretty good. Um, the only thing I'll tell you about these hot dogs, the, the specialty hot dogs are becoming popular at Disney World now. There's a few places scattered throughout all the parks that have them. I know Casey's does in the Magic Kingdom and stuff. The, the, the bun that they serve it on is not my favorite. It's kind of bulky. Mm-hmm. It's kind of uh, dry. I, I guess because they have put so much stuff on it that they have to have a, a different kind of bun. Um, but I like it. I do like the macaroni and cheese dog. Um, I can tell you, my wife had the chili hot dog there, and she didn't think it was all that great. She didn't, she wasn't a big fan of it, but the mac and cheese dog I'd go for. Definitely looks delicious. Ah. You've picked a place, Kim, that I like to pop in for a, a bit of an unusual drink because you can get some different flavoured lemonades from there. You can get the lychee lemonade and the wild berry lemonade. And if you're feeling a little bit all uh, ready for a bit of pepping up, you can also get rum added to those two drinks as well. They are really good with the rum, but but buyer beware. Uh, you don't you don't taste that rum. You can have three of them in no time flat, and <laughs> I would not recommend going on Primeval World right after. <laughs> <laughs> it would really knock you for a loop. <laughs> oh gosh, it really would be a Wildberry experience then. <laughs> They're really good, though. I agree with you a thousand percent. I did not know you could get rum added to your drinks. There, I really didn't. You see. Again, I must. I've got a bit of a negativity thing going on here. There's only one vegetarian thing on that menu, and it's a vegetable subasaurus. So I don't know. I just think one vegetarian option with all those things. It's yeah. I don't know. I, I agree with you. And most places only have like one, maybe two vegetarian places. But I, I know um, a few other vegetarians who highly recommend this particular um, item. I, I know a few that, that do really like the uh, the vegetable sandwich here. So oh. if you are a vegetarian, you know, you, you, there are a lot of places, at least counter services, you often only get very limited options. This might actually be not a bad one, though. I've, I'm not a vegetarian. I eat meat all the time. But I know vegetarians who really like this particular item. I might give that a go because I do like to have the veggie option occasionally because too much meat <laughs> turns me into caveman. So give it a go. And as well as the options that we've we've mentioned, there's obviously the um, grilled chicken sandwich, which I've had and I can say is quite nice. It's very good, yeah. And there's the... Angus bacon cheeseburger, which my husband has about ten of when we go, <laughs> and and the chicken nuggets and the chicken BLT sandwich, and of course everyone, every Brit's favourite thing, a topping bar, because Brits go mad for that topping bar. It's a good topping. Do they, they don't have the uh, melted cheese though? Do they, Kim? Well, no, I suppose they don't. But they have other better things, healthy things. Yes, healthy. Yeah. I was going to say, one of the things that they have there, which is um, always not a nice option, is you fill up your own drinks. So, yeah, free refills. Always a bonus. Saving the money there, Michelle. I, I like that idea. It's a shame it's not on the wild berry foam, but... <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but, but Aaron has promised me that this time, as long as he can have his burger, he will walk me, get this mic, my husband will walk me from there 
to the Yak and Yeti counter service so I can try honey chicken and pork egg rolls like I've been nagging to try for ages. <laughs> well, good for you. It's, a, it's not that bad of a walk. <laughs> um, so, you know, you, you might enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm definitely looking forward to that because I just, the boxes are so cute. I just want to eat there for the little boxes. Does he like chicken wings? Um, yeah, they're not bad, actually. Yeah, we don't mind chicken wings. Because they have this little booth that's not far from a little a little kiosk that serves these really good boneless chicken wings. There's, I know they have teriyaki flavored. They have, like, a chili garlic. And I forget what the third one was off the top of my head. It might be, like, a sweet and sour or something like that. Um, and it's really good. They, give, they put, you know, these little, little uh, things that you can walk around with. They're a little messy for walking around the park, but they're really, really good. Oh, that sounds nice. And where's that from again? That is on the pathway between Africa and Asia. So you're not far from the Akinyeti there. But you know where you walk from Asia over to Harambe, behind the tree, sort of. Um, that's where they are, right there. Oh, well, I'm adding that to my list, Michelle. This list's getting really big. Well, you're there long enough, love. <laughs> <laughs> right, so we've quickly touched on everybody's favourites. What are everybody's least favourites? What wouldn't you recommend to anybody? If there is anything, what wouldn't you recommend? And I'm going to go to Michelle first again to give Mike a little time in case he's not got an answer. <laughs> um, what wouldn't I recommend? <laughs> well, this is a tricky one because the places I've eaten, I've been quite impressed by. Mm -hmm. Personally, I wouldn't recommend a burger from Restaurant Thesaurus because the main appeal for me of going to Animal Kingdom would be to try something different because it is literally a whole big different collection of food styles because you can go to Yak and Yeti and you can get um, the food of Asia, you can go to Tusker House, you can get the food of Africa. So for me it's, it's more about experimenting and trying new things. So for Going to Restaurant Asaurus, it's a burger. I can have a burger over at Magic Kingdom at Pecos Bells. So I'm a little bit down on Restaurant Asaurus because also last time I went, it was like feeding time at the kids' zoo. It was noisy. It was... Oh, I didn't like it. Um, and I suppose some of these little food carts, they are so beautiful and so quaint. But they're never always open. They only seem to open when it's really busy. So that's my gripe. So it's not really a dislike. It's a moan. Fair enough. What about you, Mike? What, there any, this must be a hard one for you because you love everything Animal Kingdom. Is there anything you wouldn't recommend for anybody? It's actually not that hard. Oh, um, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sorry to say this, Kim, but what, what I would pick would be the counter service at Yak and Yeti. Oh, no! <laughs> I, I, I gotta tell you, I, I I like um Asian food. I like Chinese cuisine. You know, I like you know. I love going to my local Chinese place and just getting whatever. But for it does not work when it's made in bulk and kept under heat lamps. Chinese food does not work well under heat lamps. So I didn't really care for it all that much. Um, now, having said that, they've changed their menu a little bit since I since the last time I was there. I know they've added. Um, I think they've added a sandwich of some like a like a chicken sandwich, which I've never had. There's a couple of chicken sandwiches, I think, but the honey chicken's okay. 
the beef lo mein I would stay away from. Um, I, I did not care for that at all. Um, it, like I said, it just doesn't work well when it's just sitting under heat lamps in this bulk kind of uh, kind of thing. It's much better when it's made fresh, like at your local you know Chinese place. So um, that's the one I would pick. Controversial. Hopefully, though, my honey chicken will be all right. I'll 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 ask them to make fresh, and I'll say that you told me to say that. <laughs> I, I've had the honey chicken there. It's it's pretty good. You're, you're okay with you're okay with the honey chicken. I just think there are better places for for counter service than Yak and Yeti. What you've got to do, Kim, is turn up with your microphone and say you're doing a food <laughs> review. They will bring you instantly fresh out. <laughs> I'll try that one, Michelle. <laughs> Always works. Well, obviously, my eating there is limited. But when I looked at the menus, there's this one particular restaurant that I keep making a reservation for, and then I cancel. And I must have done this about five times over the periods of times that I've been going to Florida. And so I've decided to make it my least favourite because I keep cancelling the reservation. And it's Tusker House at lunch and dinner. And there's nothing wrong with it, I bet... You know, everyone else will say it's really good, and I haven't eaten there, and I'm not saying the food isn't good, but just the menu items for me personally just don't appeal whatsoever. I mean, I honestly can't think of anything worse than vegetable samosas and pearl couscous with basil and all stuff that I don't normally eat, and I should be open minded and try, but. I have a husband that's a burgeraholic and he won't even contemplate going. So that would be my pick, but that's for very personal reasons. Though, if you are going across to Finding Nemo, I have a tip. If you book at Tusker House between 1 o'clock and 20 to 2 in the afternoon, you will receive a ticket for reserved seating for Finding Nemo. Now, this ticket is only for the 3.15pm showing. And only reservations between 1 and 20 to 2 qualify. And it's only one ticket per person dining. But if you're wanting a good seat for Finding Nemo and you're going to Tusker House anywhere around about lunchtime, this would be a perfect dining tip for you. That's all food delicious and I don't know about you but I'm getting really, really hungry. Um, I think I need to listen to a Kieran fact because he's going to tell us a a little bit about what the animals have to eat. Welcome to another Kieran Fact for you. Disney's Animal Kingdom is the home to the largest group of Nile hippos and African elephants in North America. It prides itself of of the high level of animal care and conservation programs it runs. Around 120 animals have been born since the park opening. They take their job seriously. Did you know they analyse around 10 thousand samples of animal doo a year. That's it for this episode. Catch you later on episode 44. Right, everyone knows that I am not a fan of Avatar Land. If you've listened to previous episodes, you'll know I am dead set against it. Michelle, Michelle's more on the fence about it. She's probably looking more forward to it than me. That would be safe to say, Michelle? I wouldn't say looking f- 
forward to it I'm the sort of person um, for example I'll give um, an example with the Oz film that's just come out I didn't want to know any of the hype I didn't want to do any research about it I just wanted to go and enjoy it and I think I'm of the opinion with Avatar I don't want to know any of the rubbish that's been sort of banded around I don't want to know what it could be what it is I just want to get on build it get off the bum get it finished and then I can make my mind up about it <laughs> well with the recent movement not saying they started to build it yet Michelle but with the recent movement of Festival of the Lion King to make room for in inverted commas Avatar land and with having Mike on the show I thought it would be interesting to hear what Mike's opinions were on Avatar Land. Sure. I, I probably am more along the lines of what Michelle thinks. Um, I can see why they want to build something like Avatar Land um, in the Camp Mini Mickey spot. And, and there are a couple of things that I think really would benefit the Animal Kingdom by building this. Number one is you have more attractions that are operable after dark. Like the safari right now, you can't do after dark. Um, you know, the animal trails, you can't do after dark. Animal Kingdom, I don't know if either one of you have been to Animal Kingdom at night um, after the sun goes down and they put on the lights. It is a different kind of place. It's very uh, exotic looking. It's just a wonderful place to be at night. It's, it's maybe the best park at night. Um, unfortunately, they never get to have it at night because there's just not enough stuff to do after the, after the animals go inside. So adding a couple of attractions in that section of the park would really benefit, I think, um, the park as a whole by getting you to be able to go at night. You can, you know, you'll be able to do uh, Everest, you'd be able to do Dino Land, and you'd be able to do Avatar Land, which is all sort of up in the front section of the park. All the animals are pretty much in the back, but all the, all the rides and stuff are sort of t more towards the front. I think that would be one benefit. The other benefit would be Right now, Expedition Everest is um, the main attraction of the park. And if you, sure. close, if you close down Expedition Everest for any length of time, you really do a detriment to the people who want to go to Animal Kingdom, because that's the big thrill. There's the Safari and there's Everest. Um, if they added a main attraction or two from Avatar, um, you would be able to close Everest for a good you know, five, six months and really refurb it and fix that Yeti. So that, that Yeti, exactly. So that Yeti could be working like it, like it should be. Uh, those two things alone, at least, give me to um, not hate the idea of Avatar. On the other side of the coin, uh, I am not a big fan of the movie Avatar. I did not really think it was all that. I mean, it wasn't terrible by any means, but it wasn't. The, the storyline was just basically Pocahontas, um, and uh, the characters. There's we're not really all that impressive to me. It's not Harry Potter. It's not Star Wars. I don't think it has the lasting power of those kinds of, of uh, films. I mean, I think ten years from now, nobody's going to care about Avatar because it was it was it did very well. Don't get me wrong, but it was based upon a gimmick, a visual, three um, D IMAX effects. People wanted to see it in the theater, so they did, and that's why it did so well. Um, I don't think it's based upon anything that would last for a long period of time. So 10 years from now, people might not care about Avatar. But going, you know, by, but by playing devil's advocate, who knows what Song of the South is? And, and Splash Mountain is one of the most popular rides in all of Disney World. Nobody knows or has ever even seen Song of the South, the movie that that's based on. 
So I think if they build good attractions um, and put it up front like they're, they're talking about, I think it would help Animal Kingdom as a whole. Although I do wish... Um, I, I can't think of some things I would prefer than Avatar. Can I just lead you back into where you mentioned about Pocahontas and, Av and the film Avatar itself? Sure. Both of those films I have only managed to watch about a third of the way through before I turned them off in sheer boredom and frustration because I hate both of those films with an absolute passion. So... Whilst I'm sort of saying, yeah, Avatar Land could be a possibility, what I'm hoping for is the visual effect of Avatar, the film, to come into the park and, as you say, run with it and absolutely bring a new element to the park by all these beautiful colours and over-green, lush, blue plants or whatever, so... We'll, right. we'll see about that. So, Kim, you're, you're quite against it. What is the main thing that you are against? The main thing that I am against is the fact that I just think Disney have got better... They've got their own stock, I'm sort of doing inverted commas, that they could have used to create exactly the same thing. I don't really understand why we've had to go out and get some property that doesn't actually belong to Disney when they've got it themselves. I mean, why can't we use some of the lesser known characters like from I mean from Jungle Book or you know, or Treasure Planet. I mean obviously I know Treasure Planet wasn't a massive great big success, but they've got stocking characters that were a success and they could obviously make worlds and lands out of them and I just it just disappoints me slightly that I feel like Disney they've gone for the name of James Cameron and they've gone for Avatar rather than actually taking a step back and having a look at what else they've already got within their reach that they could use and I personally think make a better job of it not that I've seen any concept art whatsoever I mean I liked the film it was alright but like Mike says it'll be a film that I personally think that's forgotten about in 10 years time okay so the three of us then, we're all going to be employed by WI, WDI, and we're going to dis pitch an idea for a land instead of Avatar land. So, Mike, what would you pitch for? Sure. It, you know, and just to double back on it quickly on to what uh, Kim was saying, I, I agree with her in, in terms of one aspect. Why not um, forgetting films at all? Why do they have to base something on a film? I think some of the best attractions that Disney Imagineers come up with are ones where they start from scratch. Like Expedition Everest, for example, is an amazing feat of Imagineering. The backstory, the, the little tidbits here and there are all just dreamed up by Imagineers. And I, and I think they could do something along those lines in that section of the park. Not base it on films. Why do they have to do that for? I personally would prefer... Um, perhaps another continent. That would be my uh, my dream. I think I, my preference would be an Australia. Uh, I think that would do an amazing job of um, you know getting people to learn about koalas. For example, you could have a koala forest. You could have um, I, you know a log flume ride. Um, you could do all sorts of things, but design it from scratch. You don't need to base it on a movie, whether it's Disney or not. Um, some of the other things that they could come up with. 
I don't know if you guys have you ever guys have ever seen some of the ideas behind Beastly Kingdom that was originally going to be there. Yeah, some of them. Yeah. I mean, why can't they go and re re revisit that? I mean, who wouldn't want to go through a dragon tower and, and confront dragon, or you know, a unicorn maze or something along those lines? Um, I think either one of those ideas would be better than Avatar, personally. Okay, Kim, have you got an idea? Well, my idea was very similar to what Mike's was in the fact of making up a new continent, but I was sort of going for, we've got like the hot, hot countries sort of represented, so why don't we spin it on its head and we have some of the colder um, countries sort of represented and then, you know, I mean, I don't know how plausible it is and this might not be plausible at all, but obviously maybe introducing um, polar bears, penguins, um, just the animals from sort of like the colder atmosphere I mean obviously I know that's you sort of walking on sea world territory there but for Disney to do that and put a Disney spin on it, it I think it'd be fantastic you know just concentrating it, more on sort of like the, like the colder areas uh, how cool would that be to sort of like have a cold log flume ride around an animal area that would be a lot of fun, and you know, in Disney, it just because it's stepping on SeaWorld territory wouldn't wouldn't stop Disney in the least. I mean, half <laughs> the reason they built Animal Kingdom was to keep people from going to Bush Gardens for a day. Um, <laughs> I mean, let's be honest; they didn't want people leaving their property. So, I think that would be a great idea. I think, and and I think Disney could probably do it even better because they're so good at um, designing, doing the little things like building harambes and things like that. It, it would really immerse you into the to the um, the land that is you know either you know the North Pole or the South Pole exactly. or Alaska or whatever it is you wanted to do I think it would be a phenomenal idea and then obviously like you say with the North and South Pole you've got something else there that they could do possibly at night time at Christmas time you could like have a Santa village do you know what I mean and then just sort of like build on that and at, sort of like at Christmas time you can go visit Santa at the North Pole and see his elves and see reindeer and do you know what I mean they could just sort of build on it and then hopefully like you say keep the people there longer at night time mm -hmm. and if and if this new movie that they have coming out in the uh, fall Frozen is a big hit you know you can incorporate that too exactly yeah, yeah I like oh. him I'm warming to your cold idea Kim I really am <laughs> well don't warm to it too much and melt it then True, true. But I sort of see a blizzard beach come Sea World come Animal Kingdom Kingdom esque attraction coming together, retelling a story like um, as you've mentioned, Splash Mountain retells the story of Song of the South. You can tell retell the story of a particular animal from its childhood all the way through. And oh, um, I've I've gone on a Kimmy. Kimmy sort of root because Kimmy's our big animal fan and wherever she can she keeps trying to put in, put in these lands about animals well what I've done is I wanted a land that embraces the role of animals and their contribution to Disney movies and I'm not just talking your likes of Jungle Book and, Dis and Dumbo but also Disney nature films such as Chimpanzee and I really wanted a place where these characters can come around and come alive. So, for example, I'd like a tubular ride where you are riding the East Australia Current, i.e. 
from Finding Nemo, and I can see projection technology, I can see roller coaster technology coming together to put you under the water to have a another sort of like e-ticket attraction to rival Everest to get people to the other part of the park. I would like a game similar to Sorcerers of the Magic Kingdom where you can interactively help animals because I think kids would really love that. I would also like to get a lot of people on board here with this one. This idea is so many people moaned and complained when Mr Toad's Wild Ride left the Magic Kingdom. Well, how about putting an updated version in my new animal land in Animal Kingdom? Um, another idea is from a previous show we were talking about having an aerial ride. Well, some sort of enclosed bubble where guests can travel through this land at, an, at a height to get a height perspective of the Animal Kingdom. So this is all my rides going on. And then, obviously, I think all of these animals in these films are all from different nationalities. And we could have a multinational food cart. So we could have pasta a la Lady and a Tramp. We could have British food a la um, 101 Dalmatians, French food from the Aristocats. I could go on for months. I've just got so many ideas. That actually sounds pretty good. It's almost like a fantasy land version for the Animal Kingdom, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 it's a great idea. It's it's embracing the animals because sometimes, you know, you get to meet a lot of the princesses and that. And the animals do, as Kim and I have said before, they do tend to get neglected a little bit. And if you've got a park called Animal Kingdom, well, surely Disney should be saying hooray for the animals in our films. I, I, I like that. I like that one. I, it, both of you, I think, should become Imagineers. <laughs> I would love the Arctic one and, and this sort of animal kingdom fantasy land thing. I think that would be terrific. But I do think you've got an idea there, Mike, on what you've said, right? Pirates of the Caribbean, the ride was made into a movie. Everest could be made into a movie of the ride. What do you think about that? Oh, I think it would be. I think that would be a perfect. Um, I know they've been talking about making a Jungle Cruise movie. I think Expedition Everest would be even better. I think that would be. You could really make a, a, a fun movie um, based upon the sort of the idea behind Expedition Everest being the first train that goes through that section and running into the giant Yeti. It'd be pretty cool. Yeah, we could have Brad Pitt as the as the sort of male lead, and I could be his beautiful helpful assistant that he, de- he doesn't normally look at but I save his life on this trek that we're on and he falls madly in love with me okay, so you're sort of the Elizabeth Swan of the expedition <laughs> <laughs> that film would work much better with me and Zach Afron I'm sorry <laughs> oh no that minute I'd have singing we don't want singing <laughs> we are totally off the plot here um <laughs> on our design for Avatar New Version Land. I suppose whatever happens with all of this, we've got to wait. We've got to be patient. Something us Disney fans are very good at doing. But bear in mind, it only took three years to build Animal Kingdom in the first place. How many years from them announcing Avatar Land back in 2011 to the actual opening day. Is it going to be? It could be another four years. 
Yeah, it's going to be a while. I mean, when they announced it, they announced it right immediately after they just basically purchased the rights from James Cameron. So, um, you know, the Imagineers didn't even know it was coming. So, you know, they've been scrambling around probably trying to figure out what they want to do. Um, you know, there's usually a long, long time in the concept phase. And I, I don't even think they've gotten out of that part yet. I'd say, yeah. get, I'd say get a refund, because that's what they should do. <laughs> <laughs> and put in one of your ideas. I think that's yeah. great. Our ideas are so much better. I like the Mr. Toad one. I like bringing back the classic ride. And another good classic ride they could bring back and would fit into Animal Kingdom would be uh, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Cool. They could bring in Snow White just for the reason that me and Kim were devastated when it closed. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how it fits in, but I'll, I'll find a way. <laughs> Well, I suppose all that's left really is now is for us to say thanks for Mike for joining us on this Animal Kingdom Bonanza. And well, thank you very much for having me. No, you're more than welcome. Anytime you want to come back, just knock on our door and we'll gladly let you in. Uh, you'll hear from me then. <laughs> <laughs> You've opened up Pandora's box. Then. <laughs> uh... And I gather you're a busy bunny this afternoon because you've got another interview lined up. So later, later this evening, yeah. Fantastic stuff. So if you can squeeze in a shout out for us, Minxes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I will. There's a challenge for you. Okay. So if people want to contact you, Mike, can you just give them a reminder of where they can find you? Sure. The website is uh, jomboeveryone.com. My Twitter handle is at jomboeveryone. And you can also like us on Facebook at uh, John Boy Everyone. Those are the three main ways that you can get in touch with us um, and you know check out what we're doing in terms of uh, conservation issues and giving you information about the animal kingdom and um, you know a lot of nonsense too on my Twitter handle. I like to uh, kid around too. So join me. Fantastic! Please do so, and you can also find us minxes at the Mini Minxes, and we like to share. All sorts of irrelevant <laughs> rubbish, really, and try and prod old Kimster into tweeting every now and again. Which I have every now and again. You do, my darling. You do. As always, you can email us any thoughts, ideas, suggestions, or comments to our email address, which is contact at the mini We're always on a lookout for a question for the Minxie Michelle section, so. Send us in your question and I'm sure she'll be able to whip you up a minxy goodie. Our page is the Mini Minxes Disney Podcast. And also make sure you visit Blogspot and have a look at our blog. We also put show notes and we also have some guest bloggers who come along and chat Disney with us. The next show is out on the 13th of May. Well, on the 13th of May, I'll be busy celebrating, darling, so I don't really mind. Oh dear, it's not your birthday, is it? It's my birthday! It's my birthday! (laughs) Oh well, listeners, it's Michelle's birthday on the 13th of May, so please send all rotten veg to... (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm wanting a 110th vinyl of Mickey, please. I suppose, speaking of birthdays, we best give Animal Kingdom a happy belated birthday for 
last week. So happy birthday, Animal Kingdom. Welcome, everyone. My name is Josh Damara. I'm the luckiest guy here. I'm the vice president of Disney's Animal Kingdom. Thank you all for being here with us today to celebrate the 15th anniversary of Disney's Animal Kingdom. Now, I'm guessing for some of you, it may seem like it was just yesterday. But 15 years ago, we welcomed guests into a theme park unlike anything else that Walt Disney uh, parks and resorts had ever done, and the, one of the more difficult things to create. So it's not only fitting that this park opened on Earth Day, highlighting our commitment and mission to connect with guests to the beauty and wonders of the natural world. Now, whether this is your first time visiting Disney's Animal Kingdom, or it's a place that you consider your favorite vacation destination, we hope you leave here today with a new or refreshed connection to wildlife and wild places. Now, it, it took a team of people to bring this park to life. I've learned the importance of sharing the story of adventure and conservation and allowing you to make a personal connection in a way that only Disney can provide. That you'll experience shows and attractions that will thrill you, food and beverage offerings that will delight you, and merchandise that you'll treasure for years to come. As you all know, Disney's all about storytelling. And with Disney's, Disney's Animal Kingdom, for the first time, real live animals help tell that story. An extraordinary world has been created here over the past 15 years, and Disney's Animal Kingdom is a story without an ending. So thank you all for celebrating the 15th anniversary of Disney's Animal Kingdom with us and sharing in our excitement for the future and wonder of the circle of life. And really all that's left to say now is goodbye. So there's many kisses from me. And many kisses from me. Mwah! From the day we arrive on the planet And blinking step into the sun There's more to see than can ever be seen More to do than can ever be done There's far too much to take in here More to find than can ever be found But the sun rolling high through the sapphire sky keeps great and small on the endless round it's the sun